Hi, this is John from Prodigal Church. We want to thank you for listening to this week's teaching. The best way to watch and listen is through our Prodigal mobile app, available at your app store. We hope you are moved to love God and others in a greater way. Now, let's dive right into this week's teaching. The election happened, or the election is happening. Uh, we're recording this on a Friday, and so things may have changed when you watch this on Sunday or even next week. But uh, I believe that what God has for us as a community of faith today um, matters whether or not we know who won or not. Um, Psalm 146 says this, Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings, who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. And on that very day, their plans come to nothing. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in their Lord, their God. We have covered some ground over these past seven weeks. We've looked at the prayer request of Jesus, that he prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. We zeroed in on the Lamb, right? That we pledge allegiance to the Lamb, this, this sacrificial love that Jesus shows us that we need to demonstrate in everything, even our politics. And that to win the world, it's not about power over our enemies, but rather a power under our enemies. That winning isn't about getting our morality legislated. That just even the term winning is missing the point. It's not about winning. It's about loving. We saw that America is not, has not been, and will never be a Christian nation. And that Fighting for that actually hurts our witness as Christians. And the Bible says, honor those in authority over you. Obey the laws of the land. And so for us as citizens of America, as residents of California, wherever you're watching this, uh, we've had several people watch from uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Tucson, Arizona. Uh, so wherever you're listening to this, uh, we need to be a good citizen. We need to pay our taxes, obey the law. When there are elections, we vote. We're called to come under the authority of our government. It means when we get a parking ticket, we can't say, oh, well, my kingdom is not of this world. No, pay your parking ticket. If the IRS calls you, you can't say, sorry, my citizenship is in heaven. No, be a good citizen. We have an obligation from God to our local government. Now, Bruxy Cavey then helped us to see the fullness of the gospel, that Jesus has this inner peace as he is before the Roman governor, Pilate, uh, and he has this just this political restfulness, this contentedness that regardless of what happens, God is bigger, God is stronger, and that no matter what happens with our election, God is bigger, God is stronger. And then last week we looked at some of the reasons why our country and our churches are so divided right now. In that we as Christians, the way we talk about politics, the way we talk about presidents, the way we talk about political parties, is just as important as what we believe about those things. This has been an incredible series. And today is the Jesus for President addendum. And an addendum is additional material added to the end of something. And we're simply going to read a story from the life of Jesus. In the story, it's incredible. Jesus' response to religious people who are trying to trap him is absolutely epic. And so we're going to read this story together and just 
Let the Spirit lead us and see where it takes us. Mark chapter 12, starting at verse 13. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Now, let's go back 2,000 years to first century Palestine. Let's time travel together. Make sure that you're all buckled up because this is going to be good. Okay? During the time of Jesus, Caesar, the Roman emperor, levied 12 to 14 different taxes. Okay? Taxes on any resident or uh, people group within the Roman Empire. And the one talked about here is called the poll tax or imperial tax, often called the head tax. And it was paid by every citizen. Just because you live in the Roman Empire, you had to pay this tax. And this tax was absolutely hated by the Jewish people. Now, this is a trap set by religious leaders. It was an attempt to get Jesus to commit treason against Rome or blasphemy against God. Either way, Jesus loses. And taxes represented the most pious issue between Israel and Rome. Rome used their unjust taxation of people to plunder Israel. And this particular tax was a seed of deep, simmering resentment against the Roman occupation. And it wasn't just the tax itself, it was how you had to pay the tax. You had to pay the tax with one very specific coin. And it was a coin minted by Tiberius Caesar, who had his image and likeness on the coin. And the coin came to represent the political oppression of the Jewish people. You had to pay this, acknowledging Rome's dominion over you. But religiously, it was also considered blasphemy. Why? Well, because it had a graven image on it. The image of Caesar was, was blasphemous to the people of God. In fact, there were rabbis at the time that called this tax the impoverishment of the land. It was the sucking out of resources of the land. This head tax was hated and despised. In fact, when this tax was first issued, Judas the Galilean, who's also referenced in the book of Acts, he began a revolt, a rebellion against Rome. Because he recognized that this not only represented the enslavement of the Jewish people, but also a blasphemy to the Jewish way of life. In fact, between 6 AD and 130 AD, there was something like 62 uprisings and revolts, and 61 of them had to do with this tax. This was the hot-button topic in the time of Jesus. My point is, it wasn't just that the tax was impoverishing. It was the image and the inscription on it that was blasphemous. The coin, it was a denarius, and it circulated around Judea. 
and you would have to bring in your local currency and exchange it for one of these coins to pay the head tax, the pull tax, the imperial tax referenced here in Mark chapter 12. And typically it would say something like this. On one side of the coin, it would be the profile of Tiberius Caesar and the words Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus. Tiberius Caesar, son of the living God, son of God. And on the other side, it would be the words Pontifex Maximus or the high priest. See, he wasn't just the political head. He was the religious head. And so to be clear, for the Jewish mind, this was doubly offensive. It represented oppression and impoverishment of the land and the people. And it represented the political blasphemy of a graven image. So here's the trap they give to Jesus. It's politically explosive. It's religiously explosive. It's a genius trap. If Jesus says, yes, you should pay the tax, well... Jesus is just a collaborator. He is just one in a very long line of the weak, cowardly collaborators with the powerful Roman Empire. We can't follow him. His life's claim is that he's the Jewish Messiah. That would be automatically diminished by paying this tax. Because not only was the tax blasphemous, but it was blasphemous for a rabbi even to handle this coin. Good rabbis in the, in the Galilee never touched these coins because just to have one was sacrilegious, was blasphemous. So if Jesus says, yes, pay the tax, well, he has lost his prophetic power, his prophetic voice. If he says, don't pay the tax, well, he's just signed his own death warrant because that's treason in the Roman Empire. Either way, Jesus loses. In fact, in Luke 23, interestingly enough, this was the exact charge that levied, that the Romans levied against Jesus. So, so Jesus here, he's so stinking smart, okay? It's a total trap for him. There's no way out. They got him. But Jesus saw through their duplicity, and he said, show me a denarius. In Mark's account, he says, bring me a denarius. And the implication is, he doesn't have one. He doesn't have, he's like, well, where's that? No, no, no. He says, bring me one. Someone has to have one. So who ends up having one? The religious leaders. Remember, this is all happening publicly. This is not in some back alley, okay? Not some side room. No, this is at the temple for all to see. So Jesus says, show me a denarius. And they produce one. Jesus has already flipped it around on them. With one question, Jesus traps the trappers. This is jujitsu Jesus. He uses their own condemnation against them. It's brilliant. And by, by them producing a Daenerys, he shows them to not truly be concerned with obedience to the law. Boom. What's the second command? Well, you should have no graven images. You should have no graven images. That is blasphemous. And these religious leaders produce one. Jesus strikes back. He says, show me a Daenerys. And then he asks the most genius of questions. He says, whose image and whose inscription is on it? And they reply, Caesar's. And now, this is so good, okay? Jesus says, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Now, there aren't enough superlatives 
to this fully describe what Jesus does here. It's amazing, it's brilliant, it's fantastic, it's smart, it's intelligent, it's cunning, it's awesome, it's radical, it's scandalous, it's all of these things. And in that statement, Jesus uses two words that would have been absolutely electric to the first century audience. The first word is inscription or inscribe. The second word is image. And the first word, inscription, it's a reference to the Jewish Shema, where, where it says that, that we are to inscribe his law on our foreheads, on our hearts. Something that we need to, it's something that Jewish people woke up in and ended their night with every single day. So immediately it would, it would raise this religious context, this law of God into the hearts and minds of everybody whose inscription is on it. But the real kicker, okay, the real kicker is the word image. In the Jewish mind, the phrase image had a positive connotation and it also had a negative connotation. Okay? We know the negative, right? We've been talking about it. It says you should have no graven images. Okay? No, no graven images of other people, other gods, false gods, and this denarius would count as certainly one of those. Okay? That's a negative way of using the word image in a Jewish mind. Well, what's the positive connotation? Well, of course, it's Genesis chapter 1, where God says, let us make man in our likeness, in our image. Let us make woman in our likeness, in our image. So who is made in God's image? Who is the only thing on earth made in God's image? You. You. Wherever you're watching this, you are made in God's image. Me. People. So here's what Jesus is saying. Here's the punchline, and it's so stinking genius. He says, take what has the image of Caesar on it and give it to Caesar. And take what has the image of God on it and give it to God. Well, what has the image of God on it? We do. You do. Your whole self, your entire being. What Jesus has done is not condone a dual citizenship. He is saying that the claims of Caesar and the claims of God are mutually exclusive. And that's the point of the teaching. You and I are stamped with the image of God. Your enemies are stamped with the image of God. Your whole life, your whole self, everything about you, give it to God. And that puny, tiny little silver coin, well, give that back to Caesar. He can have that. Jesus hasn't said, some things are secular, some things are sacred. Some things are irreligious and some things are religious. He didn't say any of that. What he said instead was, if petty little Caesar wants his coin back, then give it back to him. But give your whole life to God. Give everything about you to God. What Jesus has done is taken a trap and he has sprung it back upon its, his accusers. He has shown them to be accommodating to Rome by producing a denarius, and he's challenged them to repentance by saying, no, 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 you're the ones who are actually more worried about the kingdom of Caesar than the kingdom of God, and it shouldn't be so. You are an image bearer of God. And so God gets it all, even your politics, even your money, even the letting go of I'm right and you're wrong. God gets it all. I want to end. We as a staff, we as a church, we, 
we want to end this series in the only way that I feel like we, we can or should. We want to end it by taking the Lord's Supper together, communion, the Eucharist, the good gift. We want to do together what Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. 2,000 years ago at the Last Supper, there in the upper room gathered a ragtag bunch of disciples. One named Simon, who was part of the far left-wing party of the day called the Zealots. One named Matthew, who was a Roman collaborator, the tax collector. One was loud and brash, his name was Peter. One was cautious and skeptical, his name was Thomas. And Jesus leads this ragtag bunch of disciples in this Last Supper. And regardless of where they stood on certain issues, there is a, a leveling out at the table. See, there's always room at God's table. Remembering the sacrificial love of God we see in Jesus, we are called to emulate. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so, as you feel led during this closing song, would you take these elements, the, the bread representing Christ's body broken for you, and the juice, or the Gatorade, or the water, or the coffee, whatever you may have around you, would you take that symbolizing the blood of Christ that was shed for you? And then we may live a life where we see people with the image of God stamped upon them. That you begin to see yourself as an image bearer of the divine. God, I pray in Jesus' name that moving forward, that we will not forget what we have learned that we would not get sucked into corners of the political left or the political right, but that we would elevate the conversation and that we would choose to love and agree to disagree. And God, sometimes there might be two steps forward, one step back. One step forward, three steps back. But God, I pray that our trajectory grows in grace, that we begin to love everyone. Maybe we disagree politically, but we love unconditionally. In Jesus' name, amen.